Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, where I come to you from my studio in Dallas, Texas, each and every week. I got a new guy in here. Not a new guy to me, but he's going to sign my booth. Did you know you're coming to sign my booth? I'll sign your booth. Dude, I'm going to be buried in that booth because it has all the names of the people that I had on my podcast. When I'm done with that booth, it'll be signed by everybody, and I'm going to bury my ass in that See, thing. Yeah, but you're about half filled up right now. Yeah, but I'm, I need Tony Robbins. That's the ultimate goal to get Tony Robbins to He's sign only my 275,000 for 4 hours. <laughs> Cuz I know you've checked it out. Yeah. My guest today is Anthony Del Medico, my friend Anthony who has always been so damn good to me, man, and I appreciate you for that, buddy. Oh, I yeah, always baby. do. It's great to see you. Great to have you in Dallas. I guess we're just going to talk about some business. Talking about business, money, uh kind of came in kind of at the last minute here. I just told you I was in Dallas. I uh, love it. You graced us with your presence at the Win the Storm conference in Miami two years ago, and then uh, again Vegas last year. It was great. I so love it. Since you know, since you're here, I was here. I said, might as well stop by see what you got going on. Now you're in town shooting content for. Yeah, we're shooting. Uh, we do the the virtual training platform for contractors across America. How to launch, grow, scale. Yeah, as entrepreneurs, yep. specifically in the insurance restoration industry. So we go out and we spend a lot of time in the field with film crews. This week we're shooting, you know, Dallas's storm capital, yep. storm capital of the country. So we got uh, the big hailstorms here and damage on all kinds of roofing systems. So we're shooting. We, we shot a course with one of the major roofing manufacturers this week: how to sell it, how to assess it, how to install it, how to build it. Yep. You know how to deal with the warranty and all that kind of stuff. Which, which in the future, thousands of people uh, contracts will be able to watch and then train their people. Yeah. Without having to send them out to manufacturing facilities and all that kind of stuff. So, so, so let's just go back because I think one of the things that's most interesting about you is you've had to reinvent yourself a bunch of times, right, in Many your times. career. Many times. Is you, that what we all do? Well, if we got balls, we do. <laughs> but a lot of us don't, so we don't, and we end up just staying who we are forever, uh-huh. man. And sometimes that sucks. But you built a massive. Roofing contractor business. How many locations did you have at your peak? At the well, physical brick and mortar. Uh, well, I was a general contractor slash roofing contractor, so I think ten states brick and mortar. But I opened up in eighteen states over fifteen years. Mm. But actual the, the brick and mortar. That's when you're actually running ten at the same time. You know that was uh, you know, 2010, 2012, 10 locations coast to coast. So let me ask you this: Why is it that some people end up as a roofing contractor with one location and two employees, and you ended up with a nationwide presence? Yeah. How, tell me the mindset, because I always ask myself that question in my business: Why is it that one trucker starts with one truck and finishes with one truck, uh-huh. and JB Hunt starts with one truck and finishes with ten thousand? Right. Well, What's two, two is the nature of my industry, which was insurance restoration. So we would follow the storm model in order to open up a next office. So we use the Hurricane Charlie Francis G and yeah. the hailstorms of the Midwest as a as a reason and excuse to enter into a market that we wanted to open. And of course you accelerate a lot faster on revenue and profit after a storm, so then we would keep that office there and we kinda use the storm model to grow. Secondly, I got ADD because I'm a, I'm a crazy entrepreneur, so I don't like to sit in one place. So that's a personal thing. <laughs> so even if I owned an ice cream stand, I'd probably get bored of that ice cream stand. <laughs> so you're going to open 10 more. Had to be new, had to be new, had you know? to be new, had to be new, had to yeah. be new. That... So that part of it's industry and part of it's just personal, uh, you know, come from the military background and all that. So I like to move around, shake and move. And... You were in the military? Yeah, yeah, yeah. military uh, right out of high school. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. What, what branch? Army. You were? Infantry, yeah, 11 Bravo. No kidding, man. Well, cool. Got to pay thanks. for college, man. Dude, thanks for the service. I did not know you were a military yeah. veteran. That's yeah. cool. How do you feel when people say thank you for your service? Because a lot of military uh, guys don't like it, kind man. Of cliche. I mean, it, it's, it's nice, but uh, some people just say it to say it. I was at this event, uh, this Jocko Willick event. You know who Jocko Willick is? The Navy SEAL guy? 
Yeah, a little bit. Sure. I, I was at this event, and, I, and, and he finally stopped people because they were doing a big Q&A, and mm-hmm. people were, they were starting with thanks for your service. And he said, man, I don't need anybody to say thanks yeah. for my service. And so I sat down with, with like, his right-hand man at lunch, and I said, why, why did you guys say that? And he says, because we still got brothers that are out there, man. So yeah. for us, the mission isn't done, right? We're, there's an element of all of us that wish we were still out there. You know, yeah. I think most guys, they, it's nice to hear it, but I don't think they, they're looking for it. You know, mm. you know, I sat down next to one guy in a plane one time and um, and he was in his in his um, dress uniform and all his buddies were walking down the aisle on the plane and they weren't saying anything to each other. Like no high fives, no acknowledgement of each other or anything. And I turned to him and I said, Man, that's kind of branches. I said, What's up? How come how come you guys aren't like you? And he's like, dude, we just we left our families, man. It's like we're just getting deployed for six months. We ain't thinking about each other. We're we're <laughs> so sad that we're just leaving our families. It just got my mind oh, spinning, yeah. right? Man, that's I never true. thought about it that way. Yeah. So the thing is, how did you figure out a system to be able to staff, hire, sell, collect? account for all that sort of stuff i mean that's what the fear is people are like fuck i can't do it right in my business how am i going to do it right in 10 businesses mm-hmm. well when i when i one of the reasons i joined the military was, get, was pay for college in college i got i got accepted into a top 25 mba program so i got my mba marketing and i worked in uh, corporate america for three years mm. lab downtown st paul oh, no shit 2.5 billion dollar publicly traded company so i you know i spent my first three years post mba Working in a publicly traded company and seeing the echelons of Funny. functional areas of a business, how companies scaled up, and then kind of fell out of love with corporate America and, and fell into this insurance restoration contracting world kind of by mistake mm. or fluke of luck, I would say. Started out in sales and kind of fell in love and saw there's some real entrepreneurial opportunities in a mom and pop industry. Yeah. Here I'm sitting in this blue chip company. And I started just applying what I learned, you know, military training to, you know, MBA stuff to this industry that was just ripe with revenue and profits and growth, you know, especially in the storm restoration model, but also ripe with mom and pops that are fairly unsophisticated. So I just brought, you know, some training background, discipline from the military, along with basic common MBA stuff, how to run a business, key functional areas, sell, build, collect. Brought that into my first office. You know, we skyrocketed. We went from zero to twenty-five million by our second year. Mm. And then, uh, where was that in in Minneapolis? Minnesota, yes, we started first as a, as a. This is after I did a little sales for a couple of companies, learned the industry, kind of eyeballed and spied on what they're doing. Always knew you were going to be leaving, though. You were like, "This yeah, is yeah, yeah, within a year." Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, we're going to outgrow these guys." Because I know some EcoLab guys. They got a good comp plan there. Guys can make money at EcoLab. Yeah, they got a good culture. Mm-hmm. It's a very hardcore sales marketing yeah. culture. That's how yeah. they grew their business and. uh uh, I enjoyed working there for three years, but uh, you know, it's cor- again, it's corporate America. I'm an entrepreneur. Yep, totally. And so different. when I got into this industry, it's you know, I'd have my mistake. First office went went uh, went real well, uh, and then I, you know, I had a business partner. And we thought, well, let's keep opening offices. So you know, so we got this model down pretty quick, where we could actually launch an office, and within 90 days, have a office manager, production manager, accounts receivable manager, fairly good sales manager. Although those are always hard to find. Sales I'm manager looking hired. for one. And a, just a blueprint, like a cookie cutter, those four key managers, and then staffing up a 5, 10, 15-person sales team all at the same time. We had this down, we called it a 90 t- 90-day rotation, almost like a franchise. Yeah, but, dude, that's you, you skimmed over so much there. I mean, how did you figure out – I mean, literally, where were you going to get these people? How the hell did you trust these people? How did you know they were going to work out? I mean, there's they, so they much know, to well, it. It's a blue-collar industry. Construction, roofing, restoration is blue-collar. So you don't attract top talent. We're not hiring one. Harvard MBAs and the roofing companies, restoration companies. So, you know, you're throwing Craigslist ads out yeah, yeah. But you're, you know, you start to put together, as we did, as we grew, 
a platform of this is what a production manager does. There was no training manual for us for it. Yep. This is what an AR manager does, especially in insurance restoration. It's different than normal contracting. You start to write out the manuals. This is how you do this. This is how you do that. And you try to find the right people and put, plug them in. Did we go through a lot of people? <laughs> we went through yeah, a lot of people. No shit. And, and one of the problems as we did grow, because it wasn't, it wasn't clear of any pain, is, you know, you go up in this new office and those four people you left back here, three states away, all of a sudden sales start dipping down. Right. So-and-so's not right. showing up to work. Then you got to fly yeah. over here. Yeah. Then he's flying over here. So as we grew, the revenue and profits actually in the office went down compared to our first one or two. Totally, 100%. Together. Yeah. Those were like, man, we went from zero to 25 million. Yeah. We never did it again. Right, right. Because now you're running three <laughs> or four offices. Now you have more overhead, more human beings, more W-2s. Yeah, totally. And they're never, they're never as passionate as the entrepreneur. It's not like you're dealing with a bunch of partners. You're dealing with people that want to go home at 5 o'clock and spend time with their family, and they're never going to be like you. Yep. And so your business, actually, as you grow, becomes a little less efficient and productive. It do, and less margin. profitable, too. The margins yeah, go down, and you cannot that. duplicate what you do at home office. The other, other thing is, while the cat's away, the mice will play. <laughs> Absolutely. So. Yeah. So, so, but, but you're a systems guy, man. I mean, I know that about yeah. you, right? So you were building these systems out. So I want to yeah. touch on that for a sec because um, I think it's the, one of the biggest problems that business owners face is that, that as, especially as the entrepreneur, we think the staff knows what they're supposed to do, and we think we told them what they're supposed to do, and there's a massive gap between those two things. They don't so. remember. They weren't paying attention. Part of it is they're just not as passionate as you. Yeah, or you you suck at communicating. That's a possibility, too. You said it the wrong way. They tuned you out. Yep. A hundred different things. But the biggest thing is they're there for a job. You know, you you hope that you hire people that are as passionate as you, and you almost expect them to. That's one of my problems. It's like, why are they not as excited as me at 9 a.m.? Yep. Why don't they care that this box of nails is $28 and not $26? (laughs) And the truth is, the average human being doesn't, if they did, they'd be starting their own business, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're there to perform some, see, as you grow, you have to accept that you're going to have the 70% level. Yep. And if you have, if everybody's at 70%, that's a home run. It's hard to even get there. Well, I, I had to learn that the hard way, though, man, because uh, I thought everybody was supposed to do it the way I wanted it done. 100%. <laughs> and, um, and what I learned is that you don't have to necessarily pull back on your expectations or your push. You just can't be a jerk about it. Right. And I was a big-ass jerk for a long time. I guess I still am. You, <laughs> you really think Sometimes. so? You think was, your people think you really push? Well, I think some days I still get, you know, I'm, in, I'm an intense person no doubt. in business. I, Super. I'm, you know, my house could be a mess, but my business and my office has yeah. to be, you know, it's yeah. a different thing. It's That's the goose, man. That's yeah. the goose that spits out the golden eggs. Well, it's, paying, it's, 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 it's providing jobs, payroll, everything else. You get to take care of business, it takes care of you. So, I mean, I take the, the business thing, I just take real intensely, seriously. And yeah. So, some people don't understand that intensity. That's still left over for the military. Yep. That's why you hire a good HR manager. <laughs> yeah, yep, I got it. But also why you got to have real systems and processes. Man. Yeah, now systems, as we grew, one, you know, one of our systems, some of it's common sense to centralize your hub, wherever your home office is, your hub, your accounts receivable, your accounts payable, yep. your master production. We were one of the first ones to centralize production where we could actually build jobs in multiple states from one location. Mm. You know, because with technology, as technology improved over the last 15 years, you could actually use things like Google Earth, you know, as you know, different things come out. Uh, different CRM platforms started to come out where you could actually order jobs, drop jobs through suppliers in, in Florida while you're in Minnesota. Yep. And as long as you had one guy on the ground down there, your quality control, your field project manager, you could run jobs in Florida from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do that 20 years ago, yep. but 10 years ago you could start doing it. So yep. as technology was evolving, we were, we were learning as we went, going, well, how do we collapse as much as we can into the base and then have these satellite spoke offices out there that weren't real flush with overhead managers, but just more of a sales 
kind of a sales of one office manager type deal. And so we got good at flexing those up and down. And then um, flexing those up and down. Yeah. That's a great term. You're talking about scaling and yeah, contracting, scale scaling and, and contracting. Yeah, every April, everybody's unemployed. Every April starts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the storm it, model, yeah. kid. But in the storm model, you uh, you tend to have to flex up and down quickly. You know, if sure. Hurricane Charlie hits. All of a sudden, you need 50 people in Orlando. Yep. <laughs> That's called flex up. Yep. No doubt. Them tomorrow. Yep. Where you can lose out on millions and millions of dollars of revenue. So it's a military mindset, mobilization. Mm. But you're almost like launching a new business every time a storm hits, even though you have a model. We got just got very good at that cookie cutter. Mm. And so when, go fast forward to 2012, me and my partner eventually got sick. You know, you ever, you ever had a business partner you couldn't stand anymore? No. Okay, well. I, I never had a business partner, that's why. <laughs> good for you. Ever. Well, some business partnerships and marriages don't work out. It was a 52% divorce rate. <laughs> no Probably shit. the same in business partnerships. So about 2012, uh, him and I just had to part ways. Ego, money, you know, yeah. things changed. We had a good run. I, I, I could still talk about the bad things. We had a good run for 12, uh, 12 years, 13 years. Who takes more blame for that, you or him? He should. He should. <laughs> no, but, no, it's just, look, it's a, it was a mutual benefit, uh, beneficial, very productive relationship for 12 years. Mm. And then for whatever reason, we just couldn't work together. So, you know, call for what it is. But what a, was the reason? You know what the reason was. What was it? Well, I, uh, I think it's money. I think money changes people. Okay. Uh, greed. But the basic thing that led to the greed was we split our accounting department up. When we when we flexed to 10 offices at brick and mortar, coast to coast, we decided to also switch our accounts. Remember I said that hub office? We run a lot of strategy, a lot of coherent strategy and financial procedure was run out of the hub. We decided to split that ARAP into two locations. So now you had an accounting function over here and accounting function over here. Well, suddenly protocols change, rules change. They wow. things do things differently over here. They do things differently. Communication starts happening. Certain car movements are made over here, not over here. Wow. And all of a sudden, there's that, there's that tension. Yep. And once that goes too far, it's hard to break back. So I think splitting the hub was the worst mistake. Mm. And it's now, now you're having two separate AP functions, two separate AR, because now it's not being controlled by one directional strategic point, which was typically myself yeah. you know, throughout, throughout those years. And now that you now get different people making different rules, different salespeople on different comp plans, and just you wow. keep being competitive. Within 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 a company, got it. Absolutely, like two different companies. So so, just walk me through because I haven't experienced that before. How does who cries uncle first? I mean, who made the phone call that said, "Look, it's today's the day that we're going to shit or get off the pot." Um, I don't I don't know if there's a right person to do that. It was a series of things that happened, and then it just became an ego problem. And then you realize that look, we're two different entrepreneurs and we're going a different way. And quite honestly, I've been on the road for 14 years Mm -hmm. opening offices. Yep. And I was already starting to think that I don't want to do this for another 20 years. You can only chase storms for so long. Right, right, right. That's a very, it's like being in the military, going to war, you know, every every, every storm season. So I was already looking for a new platform, and I saw a need in this industry. As I grew in the industry, I'm like, dude, there's no books. There's no training programs. Nothing online. Not for insurance restoration, per se. I mean, you could take a license, learn how to be a licensed general contractor, learn about, here, here's the code. These are kind of nails you use in this wood and all this. But they don't teach you how to run a business, how to hire salespeople, what kind of recruiting ads you use, how do they knock doors, how do they sign deals, what is a deal. All that stuff is inherent, is pretty new, mm-hmm. and it changes often on the insurance restoration side. So we created stuff as we went. So after this 12, 13, 14-year experience of scaling, I had a huge blueprint <laughs> yeah. of stuff that worked. You had the system. I had the system, man. I had the, I had the, cook, I had the recipe, the cookie cutter, the line. Yeah. And I'm just like, but I don't want to do it anymore. And I don't want to franchise because I started a franchise. The, the name, well, we couldn't because we were legally separated. So I didn't, couldn't even use the name, nor could he. We made a decision to split it up. Downsize. So instead, I took the business model 
made it even better, packaged up, called yep. it SVG. Yep. Now, we, now I sell that. Storm Ventures system. Group. Yeah, now Storm Ventures Group is a, you know, you call it a boutique consulting company, A to Z, everything an entrepreneur could possibly dream of needing in the $100 billion insurance restoration industry as a contract, whether it's a contract form document, I don't care if it's a recruiting ad, yep. PowerPoint, a whole virtual training program to, to sell our people, whatever it is, we have we have everything they could possibly need for each key functional area of their business. So here's the thing, though, big takeaway. Number one, big industry, I call it a platform. There was a huge opportunity. There was revenue all over the place for somebody to grab, right? Because somebody could do the same thing in what I call a shitty platform. And they're made, like, listen, there's a lot of, you know, uh, printers out there, right? And everybody gives me shit when I start naming industries that I think are shitty industries. But you don't want to be a one-man printer. But it's really hard to be a hundred-man printer, right? But in your business, you saw that. And then you also saw the problem, which was nobody is helping these guys run better businesses. No books, no training, nothing. I mean, nothing. there was nothing there for us as we grew. Yeah. And so I felt when instead of getting back into what him and I did, which I could have easily done, Yep. I'll be doing it now. Yep. I want to launch a you know a, a go to point for the entrepreneurs, and it was a crucial time because Hurricane Sandy just hit, and I was actually getting calls from guys. I knew I was they yeah. knew I was downsized. Like, hey man, can you come help me for a couple of weeks? I don't understand this industry. I need help in my office. I need to hire. I did a couple of those, and I realized, man, this is a this is a, there's a whole industry that needs help. Yep. And that was a special niche. I, I think you're right. There's lots of industries out there from the ice cream shop to, to just about anything where, where people need help as entrepreneurs. Most entrepreneurs don't get the help they need in their, in their particular niches. No, no. But, uh, that one I just happened to be good at. It's been going well. We did the conference, you know, the end of the year party. Um, but the biggest thing is the virtual training platform, which now I can help train in a virtual world. A sales guy, a marketing assistant, an office manager, production manager, council supervisor, so every position needed to run a twenty million dollar plus roofing restoration company. I can train virtually twenty four seven. Yep, and that's a lot better than flying around in their offices like I did today. I've been flying totally. all over Texas, jumping to people's sales meetings. Right yeah, now. sleeping in a hotel. You didn't get a good night's <laughs> sleep. I mean, yeah. my my deal is this: and if I'm not speaking, if I'm not sleeping in my own bed, I got to get paid. Yeah, right? right. I mean, that's how it works. Well, it's just a lot of work, and you can only one human being can only train so many. Right. So if we bring fifty people in your room here, and I do a two-hour motivational powwow, people feel good when they leave. They're only going to remember two or three things in yep. the next three days. Yep. But if they can access that same thing twenty-four-seven over and over again, and yep. then test out on it, we can make them retain the data. Yep. They can also go see it again when they need it. Yep. And that's in essence is the uh, you know what virtual training is all about. I love it, but you actually got really fortunate because it was uncharted territories. Nobody, you had literally no online systemization training for your niche. Yeah, not it even, didn't well, exist. Not even for contracting in general. There's not there's not a virtual training platform and for even contractors or yeah. home builders right now. That's a whole other area. <laughs> oh so my god. Like re- That's we call so it awesome. Yeah. But the storm side is very unique. And so mm. I, I start we started there. We're starting now actually to Well that was your expertise as well, right? Yeah. And we're starting now to to shoot, you know, more retail related courses and I'm and I'm starting to think there's just a lot of general entrepreneurship people need help. Should I be an LLC versus a partnership? What's Simple stuff, of course. How do I do a buy-sell Dude. agreement? How do I do my taxes at the end of the year? Most entrepreneurs have fundamental problems from A to Z yep. on just the most basic stuff in business. And the beautiful part, so why I'm doing business finishing school. It's the same thing I was just showing you. The same reasoning that it, it's just like the E-Myth by Michael Gerber, right? It's the mm-hmm. same problem. That book was written in the late 80s, early 90s. It's still the same recurring mm-hmm. problem. There's millions of businesses that are being started because Bubba the trucker said, fuck you to his boss and said, I'll do it better. And he doesn't know shit about running a business, right. but he sure knows how to drive a tow truck. He's still, right? flipping, he's still flipping burgers. He's, he's running his burger. He's running his burger stand. He's flipping a burger. You got it. But he doesn't know how to open the other burger stand, which requires hiring 
which requires finance capabilities. Dude, it's the nightmare of small business right. ownership, right, is that we just bought ourselves a job. Yeah. It's the nightmare of being a small business owner. It's terrible, and it exists 25 million times a day in the United States. It's a huge recurring problem. You just happen to have found this amazing niche because there's profit in your in your client base, too, which is very interesting, right? There's a lot they of guys that – They generate a lot of revenue. They and do. Money and and uh, run into a lot of cash flow problems because of that sometimes. But, yep. they, but it is it – is, there's just a lot of revenue profit. And they, and they do have the money to invest in training and, and scaling their companies. And they're hardcore hustlers, too. Absolutely. They know how to get out, yeah. and they're not afraid of taking control – of their destiny. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, you, met, you kind of saw the nature Dude, of but I financed <laughs> enough of them too, man. Yeah. I mean, those, I know what, when I when I see a deal for a roofer, I know that guy's personality, mm-hmm. right? He is not afraid. He's almost a nomad, you know? That guy's going to go where the money is. And I love that about him, but I also know that their systems are fucked. Yeah. It's broken that? back in the yeah. office, you know? Yeah. So congratulations for figuring that shit out, man. And now where do we go? What happens from here? You're figuring out now that the platform's good, you got enough recurring revenue coming. You're like, how do I how do I bolt on all these yeah, different now industries? I'm trying to find. I've exhausted what I can. You know, I I have so much experience in the industry. Great, I have kind of exhausted what I can put into the. Industry. <laughs> There's only so much gray matter out there. Now I'm on search for this is my, this is what makes it fun. Now I find other entrepreneurs that want to shoot courses with me in there. There's enough of me in there. And so I go find, there's always somebody that yeah. knows more of you about something. Like yeah. we went on Duralast, this roofing system. I probably, my company probably put on three over 15 years. We met the manufacturer rep out there and, and a crew that probably does them every day. And now we're, and now we're shooting course with them, getting the manufacturers inside so yep. that they can teach along with me. I just ask a lot of dumb questions, make it fun now. Yeah. But we can teach people with, with expertise and uh, different, different expertise and backgrounds that have, like we have an HR lady flying in, does a lot of legal stuff. She's flying into my green room next week. Contractors are notoriously horrible, just like I am at human resources. <laughs> do you even have an HR manager? What is an HR no, manager? No, they don't. Do I have a, a safety manual in my <clears> office or, a, or yep. a, you know the whole harassment? The contracts are horrible at it. So she's going to come in. We're going to package all that up, have templates in the file vault, and we're going to talk about HR. And I'll, I'm not the one to talk about HR, but I can sit yep. here and ask her a lot of dumb questions, come up with some funny stories, and let her teach in a fun way. You're the, the front man. Training You're the front man. About the basic stuff yeah. that these guys should have in their offices yeah. so they don't get sued. You know yeah, but I mean? here's the deal, man. I need the audience to get this because it's really important, and I hope it didn't get skipped over. You were an expert in your niche. And because of that, you were able to create a product line that then has these bolt-ons and these other relationships. But right. it started by you being a freaking master at what you do. And that's what I think most people don't do in business. They still sort of limp in. They want to be a generalist. They want to be okay at a lot of different things. And I say bullshit to that, man. Go all in. Pick your niche. Look, we finance four industries, trucking, towing, construction, and moving. That's it. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're my towing company... And we finance your trucks, and you want to buy a restaurant, I can't help you. If you want to buy a commercial building, I can't help you. If you want to buy a forklift, I can't help you. I only finance in four industries. That's it. Is that a choice? or is it? I made that choice. And if you go further in our niche, we only finance used equipment. We'll do some new equipment, but mostly used for bullets credit. Really, really good credit customers mm-hmm. only. So it's like a niche of a niche of a niche. Mm-hmm. And we just happen to be in a massive industry that allows us to do a couple hundred million bucks a year, right? But a lot of people don't get that. They're afraid to pick, and you didn't. And now you get now you have the opportunity to expand because of the expertise. Well, I think if you – people know if you – well, first of all, if you're, if you're a C-minus player, people aren't going to follow your game, right? They're not going to pay for you. So if you're not really good, if you don't know every detail, don't know boxing nails on a job site – 
in terms of like profit margins or how to order something, how to sell it, how to build it, how to collect it. Why would somebody buy your stuff from you know? So yeah, you, you have to become an expert. You have to show that you made money, and, yep. and you have to have a passion to actually train other people. But you can have a passion to train other people and maybe be an entrepreneur. But if you don't, if you didn't, if you didn't step in that shoe and become the expert, like you said yourself first, people are going to sense that. Yeah, they don't want to follow a C minus player around. They want to follow someone who's had, had an A game. Yeah, and uh, you know that's part of it. Being passionate that leads to being passionate about what you do. You know the huh. next, the next, the next level for virtual training. I'm a big believer now in virtual training. Um, I think the next, you know, after this industry, two years from now, is to open it up for entrepreneurs in general. Yeah. And I think there's a big market. You know, I'm talking billions, not just here, but Europe, China, yeah. third world, emerging third world countries. It, but it's cr- it's more crowded. You have a lot more phonies in it. You have a lot of fakes in it. You've got a lot of guys that think they're an entrepreneur that, you know, never really done much. Right. Um, that becomes problematic as That's you true. expand outside you of the You get out of your niche, but, you know, now you can drop your price down, scale it. True. Yeah, Domino's Pizza last week. He can join your program for ninety nine bucks yep. a month. He doesn't even need anybody. To call, nobody even needs to call and demo him on your program. He slide his yep. card up. So I think part of that is branding yourself. Dude, like, I, sh- like I share the same thing. Book, you yep. know, brand yourself as being an expert, and you create your own following. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of goofballs out there doing a lot of things, but you mm-hmm. know, the guys popping up on Facebook every five minutes. Hey, yep. follow my MLM and da da da. I mean, yep. people people know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I like doing the conferences, getting out there. I think you know the Facebook pages. You got to build your network from scratch. You're really good up on stage too, man. I mean, you are. Am I? You are a. Ab- nobody would question I'll your knowledge. You, know, you go out there, you see 2,000 people out there. Sure. Until you open your mouth, and then yeah, it goes so away, right? Yeah. But, but you know, you're, you're standing on the stairway, you're like, yeah. oh, man, there's 2,000 people out there. It's 9 in the morning. You know they're still a little grumpy and hungover. And Where was your first one? Where was your first <laughs> win the storm? Um, Miami? That first one was actually in Scottsdale, Arizona. We it was, 50, so close to your hometown. Or close to your... Yeah, we didn't have a name for it yet. It wasn't called it was, We had 50 people show up. You did. 50, 50 guys <laughs> want to learn about how to make more money. <laughs> In this, business, in this industry. You know, most of half the awesome. guys knew me because I used to compete against them. I'm like, hey, well, let's do a little conference. <laughs> and it was just getting some guys together talking about how to, you know, do better in the industry and sharing some ideas. And then, you know, you, the next year was a couple hundred. Yeah. And then the first one in uh, the first one in Vegas was about 700 people. Mm-hmm. And then you went to Miami? And then we went to Miami, and that was about 1,500. Yeah. Then we went back to Vegas last year, and now it's a, you know, now it's a full trade show floor. Yep. 2,000, 2,500 people. And, yep. you know, it's a lot of work putting together. It's fun. And now we got the training wheels on. Now I kind of, you know, after you do three, four, five of them, yep. now, it's, now there's a, like, it's just, it's another cookie cutter. Totally. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a huge money maker. If anybody tells you you're making money on these events, they're, they're lying to you. You get a little bit of money in it. But you, you really do it to bring the network together. Yeah. And hopefully have some value to offer, you know, these folks later on. Yeah. for And for you, it's it uh, opens the opportunity for your for your online platform yeah, for people to be exposed to products, that. Sure. Know, but also the network, you know, yeah. bringing the other vendors in, the other speakers. Like you had yourself. Vaynerchuk at, your, at Vegas. He the was your Jerry, keynote, yeah, right? How does a, How does the negotiation to get a Vaynerchuk go? I mean, is it literally just call his office and they're like, here's our price? Yeah. Pretty much? 90000 bucks an hour. <laughs> no shit. I think that's a going right for, for Gary Vee. Wow. Yeah, we had Les Brown the year before. They all have different yeah. rates. You had Cardone the year before, too. You had Cardone the year before. Yeah. Um, then we had Les Brown. And when you're figuring out that speaker thing, what are you doing? You're saying, you're saying I mean, there's just enough of a draw? Yeah, it doesn't you know, really my mean. audience is, is on, my, believe it or not, most guys that own contracting businesses, 
don't know, didn't even know who Gary Vaynerchuk was. That's just buying tickets. And so most of them didn't know who, more, actually a lot of them knew who Les Brown was. A couple, a lot of them didn't even know who Grant Cardone was. Wow. Now their salespeople did. Yeah. And so their salespeople, the younger guys here, oh, these guys are coming. But at the end of the day, they were like, I don't care who these people are. Got it. If their vendors are there, if there's some speakers there, that if, they, if there's some breakout session or learn something related to their industry, they're like, all right, I'm going to go. Maybe I'll learn three new things. Yeah, well, but maybe the, I'll bring my notes, wife too. Yeah, you know? the keynotes really were, didn't bring a mm. – it didn't sell tickets for us. Mm. Mm. It was more for me, I think, an ego to brand the conference with yeah. something special and yeah. make it different and maybe mm-hmm. put some sexiness into the roofing restoration industry. Yeah. You know, that's why I do the ACDC music, you know, yep. the Vegas Dancing Girls. Yep. Uh, totally. The that's whole it. show thing kind of goes with it. Now people think of it as – that was a really fun time. Yep. Some interesting speakers. But before that, you think those speakers sometimes will, will bring in ticket sales, mm. but uh, not as much as you think. So, what are you going to do in Vegas? You're going to get another big name keynote. You know, we're just we're yeah we're just planning it out now. I mean, we just officially opened our marketing. Uh, we used to market it all year now. Now we're going to start just going hardcore marketing like three four months in advance because we got the brand. We we a lot of people are returning. Half our trade show floor already rebooked. That's awesome. So we know we know the we know the markets there. Um, I'm probably not we're probably not going to do a big name keynote. Mm-hmm. I'd like to do something. We really like the Wounded Warriors bringing in like we brought Travis Mills in last year. Killer, yep. He lost his arms and legs in Afghanistan. He was actually the most impactful speaker yep. from our notes. Yep. Um, he's just you know cover our costs. You give him a small speaker fee. And yeah, that's awesome. The Wounded Warriors. Yep. I like guys like that. It's non-industry. Yep. You know. Appreciate life a little more when you guys stand in front of you motivating you. Big you time. No legs. Big and time. You're, and you're grumbling about your EBITDA. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> my EBITDA is a little lower this year. And my five sales guys left me. Well, you still got your arms and legs, man. But you know what I love about all those conferences, man, whether I've been attendee or even started to speak at some of them, it's everybody's blowing smoke, man, right? Yeah. Everybody's so busy. It's so good. It's unbelievable. They're so yeah. competitive against each other, right? And the reality is most of them just got to just chill out and just learn at those damn things, yeah. you know? Just slow it down and freaking take some knowledge instead of puffing everybody's chest. I get such a kick yeah. out of it, you know? Most alpha entrepreneur males are, yeah. they think they know everything. I'd say, you know, a lot of the guys that come to our conference, they're they're looking for those next three new things to learn. Yep. It's not all. I mean, you get the competitive ones, but they're looking for that one breakout session, that one new vendor, that new drone technology that does this. Yep. A lot of them just want to get away from their business for Totally. Companies. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of ways, look. You know, sometimes you need to get away and work on your business for a few days instead of in your business because you might just have a beer with a guy yep. that triggers one thought yep. that changes the whole way you run your production or do something yep. just because you got away. Mm-hmm. You got that thought. It has nothing to do with the conference. It might just mm-hmm. be a conversation. And so mm-hmm. sometimes it's just for the fun. Yeah. You know? And you opened up in Vegas. You had a bunch of sidebar events too, right? Yeah. So Which pick and fun. choose. We call yep. them breakout sessions. Um, sometimes just come and have some beers with your with some guys you normally compete yeah, with. Yeah, it's cool. It's a good you know? group, man. Yeah. It's a good group of people. I like it a lot. So listen, man, I appreciate you. Uh, the one thing I, I, I want to say to you that I think is fascinating is that, you know, you do have the ADD and the passion and the energy and all that sort well, of stuff. I, I thought all CEOs have some for me. Of course. <laughs> but will you but you but you you pair it with structure, which I think is so interesting to me. Right. And that to me is the missing piece between the guys that do it, flash in the pan, make a little bit of money. And those guys that build fucking legacy businesses, nice. right? 10, 20, 30 year businesses. That's what I'm trying to do. Old, I've read an old uh, statistic that most successful CEOs have some form of uh, OCD, ADD, a little bipolar disorder. Sure. A little bit of uh, multi- but great multitasking. Dude, we're lunatics. <laughs> we're lunatics. I mean, we just see the world differently, you know? And the sooner we realize that and we start playing in that direction, the better. But you can't play in that direction without hiring other people to fix the shit yeah. you're not good at. 
So right. you, you know, so if you are a lunatic, then you just have to have a good HR manager. You got to have a good HR manager, <laughs> but you got to have a good accounting manager. You better have but a good sales manager. You put a little buffer in there. Dude, you have to have that stuff. I mean, people don't understand that about right. business. Dude, I was told only one hand works the register, right? That your employees are going to screw you over. It was such bullshit. None of it is true. Dude, you can't scale a business without people on your damn team. No, you got to have people. You got to have freaking people key to help hires. you grow it. Key hires. You got to hire the right people and you got to have a training program, train them out the right way. You have to bring them in. And you have to outlay it. And that's what I like what you're doing, man. So great to see you again, buddy. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in, man. Awesome. See you down the road, y'all. That's our episode this week with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money, your life, and how you need more money.